If you agree with this statement, I want you to say amen with some confidence. Oh, you don't got to, you got to hear the statement. You got to hear the statement. If you agree with this statement, I want to hear some amen with confidence. I have victory in all things through Jesus Christ. Don't you wish that would be my sermon we go home right now? <laughs> Good, I'm glad actually. I'm glad. So I want you to open up to Romans 5. We've been talking about a lot of different realities of Christ. We're in a series talking about of Christ. We've got to remember who we are. We cannot forget who we are. We have to remember who we are. Life and circumstances will lie to you. Your successes will lie to you. See, it's not just having victory over defeat. You've got to have victory over success. Your successes sometimes will lie to you greater than your victories. I mean, greater than your, your defeats and your failures. Making you think you did something. So we need to be a people that know who we are in Christ. We know that, the, that we've already talked about in the last couple of weeks. And if you haven't been here, you can go online and, and get that stuff and, and, and listen to it. Uh, a matter of fact, we have a, um, I don't know if he's going to, JP, I'm going to do it. I'm going to say, it. we have a podcast. I don't know how to get to the podcast. It's somewhere on the internet. So just by faith, go find the podcast. And if you find it, you've won half the battle of supernatural victory because I don't even know where it's at on the internet. But we're going to try to put it, I, I bet now we're going to put it on our website and get it out there. But we have a podcast that you can just listen to it. You can go to the website and you can get it. JP has done a really uh, good job of trying to get that stuff on there along with the rest of the media team and the sound guys. We have the best uh, media team in America. There's no question. These guys are tremendous. Love them. And so we've been talking about Christ, but knowing that Christ is not Jesus' last name. Like, my name's John Aiken. It's not Jesus Christ. It's Jesus the Christ, like John the pastor. And, and Christ, uh, one, two, skip a few, make it real simple. Christ was in Jesus. Uh, it's Jesus the Christ, so you can no longer separate Christ from Jesus. They're the same, but, but Jesus was a man. Jesus was, he's fully God and fully man, but Christ basically was in Jesus uh, 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 in the new covenant, that God in man, Emmanuel, God with us, Christ in Jesus. So all the things that we saw Christ do through the life of Jesus, Jesus teaches us that that's what he wants to do in our life. So we can't read the Bible and have a thing of separation of, oh, wow, look at what Christ did in Jesus, or look at what Jesus the Christ did. Wow, that's awesome, but I'm different. It'll never be that way in me. If we put our faith in Jesus the Christ, then what happens, we're born again. When we're born again, the Spirit of Christ comes to live inside of our spirit. Your Bible says that we are one spirit with God to those who have been born again. If you've not been born again and you do not have the Spirit of God within you, you do not have the Spirit of Christ and there's no way to get the Spirit of Christ without believing in Jesus the Christ. You can't meditate your way there. You believe. See, in the kingdom of God, in the kingdom of God, nothing, nothing is ever achieved by you. In the kingdom of God, everything is achieved by Christ in you. 
So we are receivers, not achievers. And Christ, Jesus Christ is the Messiah, the anointed one who carries with him the power of an anointing. And we said anointing was being set apart and empowered for a divine purpose or a sacred service. And we talked about we are now part of the sacred service in the kingdom of God. That the realities of the king have become my realities in Christ. And that when I read the scripture and I get a greater revelation of who Christ is, I then get a greater revelation of who Christ is in me and what he can do through me. And the realities of the king, the supernatural, spiritual, invisible realities of the king are the invisible, supernatural, spiritual realities of his kingdom. Because the kingdom is simply the, the influence and authority and expression, the domain and dominion of the king. There is no kingdom without the king. And so Christ the king, because of my faith in his death, burial, and resurrection, comes to live inside of me. I become a new creation. Christ is in me. So now his realities are my realities. And I have to choose which reality am I going to live by. I talked to you last week about it. Am I going to live by what is true or what is truth? The physical realities, the natural realities that I face that are real but, and true, but anything that's true and real in my life may not be the truth of his life. And I have to learn as a believer, we have to mature. Matter of fact, tell your neighbor, say, grow up. We have to mature so where his realities become our realities, not just in our spirit, but experienced out in our life. Okay? So with that in mind, look at Romans chapter 5. With that in mind, look at Romans chapter 5, starting at verse 1. Romans 5, verse 1, when you got it, say got it. Therefore, having been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom also we have access by faith into this grace in which we stand and rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. So, this is a huge scripture that I'm going to use it as jumping off into a number of other scriptures that I'm going to show you this morning. But remember last week we talked about in, in John chapter 1, verse 14, that the Word became flesh. The Word that was in the beginning with God and, and all that stuff in John chapter 1, the Word became flesh. And, and, and we, the disciples say we beheld His glory as, as the only begotten, full of two things. What was He full of? Grace and truth. He was full of it. Full of it, grace and truth. And so we talked about how Jesus is the, is the living word. We have the written word of the Bible, and, but Jesus the Christ is the living word. So it's the word of Christ and the spirit of Christ. And here's what I want you to see, that the, the, the spirit of Christ, the Holy Spirit, and the word of Christ, which is the word of God, work together to transform us into the image of the Son of God. People of the word, people of the spirit, work together to bring us into the image of the Son of God. So our lives look like Him. And what happens is the Word, the Word becomes flesh. 
that what you read in here, you see right here. And as you live in the fullness of the grace and truth that he's given you, you will be a living witness to the realities of Christ that God will use your life to point people to Jesus and and recognize that if God can do it in me, man, he can do it in y'all. He can do it in y'all, my goodness. So it's not going out as a church, I'm better than you. Look at me. You need to bring your life up to my level. It's not a judgmental church that goes out to judge the world and and, and try to say, we are better than you. And we got our stuff together and like like you always was saved. Come on. Some of y'all sinned last night. Some of y'all sinned this morning. Some of y'all sinned two seconds ago. And the reality is we are never there to, to show that kind of faulty comparison, but we're come saying, hey, I am somebody who was worthless and desperate and hopeless, and I needed a Savior, and I found him, and he transformed my life, and he'll transform your life. What he did in me is not just to me. He's no respecter of persons. He'll transform you. He loves me. I don't know why he loves me, but he does love me, and he loves you. I don't know why he loves you, but he does love you. And he will transform your life. He'll transform your life. So I'm a living example of what he can do. We talked about grace, that grace is two things. Grace, grace. Uh, first of all, grace always empowers for truth. Grace never excuses you to, to live in anything other than the truth. And so grace empowers you for truth. But grace, simply said, is the unearned favor and acceptance of God. And that grace is also the unlimited ability of God or function of God. So grace is a two-sided coin. It's, it's his unearned. We didn't earn it. We don't deserve it. His unearned favor and acceptance to us and his unlimited ability given to us. Matter of fact, spiritual gifts are technically grace gifts. The word for spiritual gift, it comes out of the root word for charis, which is grace. So charisma, charisma, which is, which is charisma, is, is what is what we, we call it in Greek, is the word for spiritual gift. And all that, does, all that is is M-A added to the word grace. And anytime in Greek, when you add, look, I'm talking like I know Greek. I don't even know English. When you add M-A to a word in, in Greek, in, in, <laughs> look, in Greece, in Greek, when you add M-A to a word, what happens is it brings action and movement to that word. So spiritual gifts is simply the grace of God activated in your life. Yeah. That's what it is. And so, and I also told you about grace is leaning in. Grace is, grace, the, the word grace literally means that God leans in. He leans in. It's like a man on a date who thinks she's cute. He leans in. Leans in with favor. Leans in. Now, if she leans away, date's over. But what God does in his grace, what God does in his grace that he's full of, is he has already decided to lean into you. Stinking, smelling, sinful you. He's already decided to lean into you. He he is leaning into you because he loves you. He has affection for you. God, and listen, anyone you ever meet, anyone you ever meet, that does not know Christ, and they don't look like you, they don't dress like you, they don't whatever, and you, look, you, you tend to look down on them because, oh, you've been living saved now, but you don't remember what God saved you from. 
and you end up leaning away from some of these people, that's not the grace of God. The grace of God will cause you to lean in. He'll give you a compassion for them. That's why at this church, you know, all these seats and all these different things, don't be like other churches. Don't come up in here and if somebody here takes your seat, you better give it to them. Don't you dare. Don't you dare be like, well, that's my seat. There's only one way I'll let that happen. You write a check for a million dollars, I'll give you a recliner. <laughs> Anywhere in this sanctuary you want. I'll give you headphones so you can turn off the teaching. I'll get you what you can recline and we'll just say you're praying. You write a check for a million dollars, I'll save you a seat right here. Other than that, that ain't your seat. That ain't your seat. Don't you dare love your seat or love your church more than you love the people that God loves. I'm telling you, it drives me crazy when I see... Well, I, mm, almost said something I really was going to regret. I want to see a church that doesn't say... I want to see churches that doesn't say, I love my church. I want to see churches that say, I love people. I love the world. I love who God loves. Amen. Listen to me. I'm so thankful in one sense. I do, I do love our church. Don't ever let Faith Center, John and Sarah Aiken, your little pet peeve of whatever ministry you do, your preference, don't ever let any of that that we're thankful for and we love, don't ever let any of that take the place of who's supposed to be first in our life, and that's Christ. Amen. Because he's called us. He leans into us so that he can, through us, lean into others. But when we make it about us, we shut off his grace. And we start embracing a lie that keeps other people from being free. So he, he leans in. He leans in. And our job, our, our response is, as he leans in with favor and love and kindness to us, our response is to, by his grace, we lean back into him. We lean back into him. And then this scripture, I don't know if y'all saw it, but it says, it went one step further, the grace in which we stand. So I want you to lean into a grace that you will one day stand in. Lean into a grace. Lean into an acceptance. Lean into an ability. Lean into it until you stand in it. And as you stand in grace, he'll use you to lean into other people. See, the Bible says in Proverbs 3, don't lean to your own understanding. In that sense, leaning is the first step in falling. But when you talk about grace, leaning is the first step in standing. And we're going to stand in his grace because by grace, everything in the kingdom of God, everything in the kingdom of God is by grace through faith. Everything. Everything. So faith gives me access to grace. Faith gives me access to undeserved favor and acceptance. Faith gives me access to unlimited ability. In Christ. 
Faith gives me access to grace. And then grace empowers me for truth. And we talked about this last week. And Jesus said, Jesus said, if you know the truth, truth will set you free. So if faith empowers me for grace, or faith gives me access to grace, grace empowers me for truth, then by grace through faith, I can know the truth and the truth will set me free. And the truth of his reality and something that's true as a reality in my life, his reality overwhelms this reality and redemption happens in my life. But pastor, you don't understand. You don't understand the pain that I'm living with. You don't understand. Hey, I know what y'all, I know what everybody lives with. Look, you, couple, I'm going to make it all begin with P because I'm, I'm, I'm a ghetto five preacher. Watch, I'm going to make it all begin with P. That will, that will destroy and damage your life. And the first one is pleasure. Some of us seek pleasure. Some of us seek pleasure. When we're not standing in the grace of God, when we're not satisfied with the grace of God, when Jesus no longer is enough, what ends up happening is we seek pleasure. Instead of, instead of it is my pleasure and my delight to do your will, oh God, now I, he's, not, he's not satisfying me anymore, which is just, I don't even understand that because that's like saying Chick-fil-A ain't good. doesn't make any sense. Just unbiblical. You lying to yourself. So the reality, the reality is if you're feeling unloved and unsatisfied and you're thinking in your mindset that he's not enough, I need something else, and you seek pleasure somewhere other than Jesus. I'm talking about like not just enjoying stuff because he's given us stuff to enjoy, but I'm talking about a deep-rooted satisfaction and pleasure. If we seek pleasure in other things, it's idolatry. And if we do that, then we are leaning outside of God's grace. We're going away from God's grace, and we're leaning into a lie. And if we lean into a lie, then the lie will, it will put us in bondage just like the truth will set you free. But what happens is we don't call a lie a lie anymore. What we call a lie now is my truth. And who are you to come against my truth? Well, uh, I, I go to the truth. I go to the way, the truth, and the life, not to judge people, Amen. to belittle them and dishonor them and say, look at me, I'm, I'm whatever. I'm not better than anybody. I might be better off because I'm in relationship with Jesus, so I'm better off than somebody who's not in relationship with Jesus, but I'm not better than somebody. And so what I need to do is come and say, look, I had a truth too, because my truth is my truth, your truth is your truth, but his truth is is truth. And that truth will set you free. So if we lean out of grace and get into a lie, that lie will unbondage us, but a deceived person won't know that we're deceived because what will happen is we'll live in our truth. And even when the truth shows up to say, I want to free you from what you call truth, which is actually a lie, you say, no, it's true. And you're lying. And now I don't even believe God's word anymore. Did God really say? And a spirit of deception comes in to destroy people who are comfortable in church. Comfortable with, with the practical side of church, but have lost ears to hear what the Spirit is saying to the church. Because we love our buildings more than we love our people. We love our structure and our preferences more than we love his purpose. 
But we got to remember we're a sacred service people. God set us apart. He, he's anointed us, meaning he has set us apart from something to something. He saved me from myself and my sin and saved me unto himself to know him that he then uses me and uses you to reach other people. And so, so the, the, the cool thing about it is this. Now, I'm never going to, this is just. So, so you even got to redefine faith because we say faith and depending on what, I don't even know if we're saying the same thing. We can say faith and some of us are like, you know, you know, you're talking about faith from a Hallmark card. I'm talking about faith from the word of God. Faith, see, we have to have a, a biblical faith, a kingdom faith, and a kingdom faith, a kingdom faith is a faith that works. It's not works, it's a faith that works. So it's not a faith, it's not a faith that just, well, I believe, like I believe in, in fairy tale stuff, but it's a faith that that believes to the point of action. So I'll show you my faith. By my works. Any works that are not produced by faith are not faith works. So works are a terrible substitute for faith. But faith in and by itself, the idea of I believe something but I ain't doing nothing. That's not faith. So when we talk about faith, redefining faith, to be biblical, faith that, and, and this is important because it's only, it's only obedient faith that gives me access to grace. Emotional faith does not give you access to grace. Warm and fuzzy faith does not give you access to grace. It's a faith that is willing and ready to act on what it says it believes. Being willing to do his will. It's not works. It's not works. You don't earn it. It's not works. It's a faith that works. It's a faith that works. So obedient faith is the kind of faith that will transform your life because it's that kind of faith that gives you access to grace and grace empowers you to truth and the truth will set you free. So what I want to show you this morning is just a, a couple scriptures and a couple things, uh, maybe three main realities that are the realities of the anointed one. And there's a lot of others I could list, but we'll just say three this morning. Realities of the anointed one that if you buy Grace, through faith, access these realities, your life will be transformed. If by grace, through faith, you can lean in until you can stand in, these realities that are true right now, they're truth right now, they exist right now, but they may not be in your life. But they can be if you take by grace, through faith, to access these realities, your life will be transformed. And the first, and it all comes out of who he is. The first reality is this. He's the promised one. 
He's the, we talked about this a few weeks ago. He's the promised one, which means the pro, he, is, he is the promised Messiah of the Old Testament. He's the promised one. And the promised one, uh, the promised one um, comes in order to release his promises. So, so let me tie this, this. Remember I was talking about, P, or talking about pleasure, and I said everything's going to begin with the letter P? Okay, I was going to land on promised one. So let me now tie those two together, because here's what we do. Here's what people who don't walk with Christ, or even unbelieving believers, people who are saved, but they don't walk with Christ. Here's what happens. We end up, in our, we end up not leaning into grace. We get dissatisfied, and we end up leaning into pleasure, false pleasure. Or we cave into false pressure. That false pressure and false pleasure long enough in our life will produce pain. And when that pain comes into our life, now, now we're trying to survive. And when that pain comes into our life, it lies to you. And when that pain comes into your life, we're looking for pain medicine of any kind. Any kind. And then we take something like Chick-fil-A that's meant to enjoy, but now when it becomes pain medicine, and i got to have nuggets and barbecue sauce just to feel normal. Now something that God meant for, for good now becomes something evil because we've put it in the wrong priority. And we're abusing a substance. And you can abuse any substance out of its purpose. It's abnormal use is abuse. And you abuse it, so now you're stuck in pain. And as you live in pain long enough, you become a prisoner to that pain. And you're hopeless, you don't know what to do. Christ is the opposite of all that. Christ is about promise. See, the one thing that this left side, pleasure, pressure, uh, what was it, uh, pain, and then prison, what all that has in common, I just made that up, y'all need to be proud of me. That what all that has in common is it's all connected to your performance. What you can do. But on the other side is promise. And promise is never connected to your performance. Promise is always connected to the one who's making the promise. So promise is connected to his ability, not your ability. Promise is connected to his ability. So by grace through faith, faith gives me access to the promised one's ability. And so all through scripture, you see, you see different scriptures that we can, we can look in and, and, and gosh, there's so many. Um, look, at, look at 2 Peter chapter 1. Oh man, this stuff is just... So we don't have to live by performance that leads to these other false things. We can live by promise. Look at verse 2, 2 Peter chapter 1, 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 2. Watch this. This is so cool. Watch this. Verse, verse 2. Grace and peace be multiplied to you. 
Before service, somebody was in prayer was talking about multiplication. Here's what happens. If we learn, if we learn by grace through faith to have, to have faith that accesses the grace of Christ who's within us, and the word of God, the word of God, and the spirit of God work to make me like the son of God. Now I have access to a truth that's above every true thing in my life. I have access to a reality that's above every reality in my life. Not only above it, but before it and beyond it. And so I can take the, the, the realities of my life that might be painful and submit them to his realities. So now what happens is the promise of God will trump the, the pain in my life. Because I know where to take my pain. I know, I know, I know to, to live by his promise. And I don't try to perform my way into a better life. I yield myself and surrender my life, my life to him. And I start living by a person of promise. I am a person of promise. He's the promised one who's given me promises. And what can happen is by that, that grace, the grace I have received can be multiplied. The peace I have received can be multiplied. What, imagine what your life would look like if the grace of God and the peace of God that you currently have right now was operating at a level that was multiplied than what you've ever seen before. It's not you receiving more of what you already have. It's you simply operating in more of what you have. Because what you have, what you have as a seed from God has the ability to reproduce after its own kind. So now, now every area of your life is being multiplied in the grace of God and in the peace of God. <laughs> Instead of the pain multiplying. Instead of the pressure multiplying. Instead of, instead of the prison multiplying, you live long enough with pain, you become a prisoner. You live long enough in prison, you see God as a warden. And everybody else is another inmate. But when you get grace and peace multiplied to you in the knowledge of God, suddenly you look at a hopeless situation and you see hope. Man, he goes into this, grace and peace multiplied to you um, in the knowledge of God. See, it's not the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. That's, 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 that's knowledge God never wanted us to walk with. It's not the knowledge of man. It's the knowledge of God, knowing who he is. Because when we know who he is, we know who we are in him. Getting the knowledge of God, and we're children of God. When we get knowledge of God, knowledge of Christ, we get knowledge of who he is in us and who we are in him. And we know who we are. We know who we are. We know what we have. We know what he can do. <laughs> two thing, one or two things are happening. Y'all are getting this and you're really quiet because you're getting it and you're thinking or you're bored out of your mind and you're wishing Chick-fil-A was open right now. Okay. So watch this. In the knowledge of him, in the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord. Verse 3, And His divine power has given to us all things that pertain to life and godliness through, through the knowledge of Him. 
called us by glory, who called us by glory and virtue, and watch this, by which, uh, uh, by which have been given to us exceedingly great and precious promises that through these you may be partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption of the world, that corruption that is in the world through lust. So this promise is huge. This promise is huge. You can write down Ephesians 2, because what Ephesians 2 says is that at one time, at one time before you were in Christ, before you surrendered your life to Christ, before you were saved, before you began a re- relationship with Jesus, that before that time, Ephesians 2 says you were in this world, but you were an alien and a stranger. You were in the world, not being a, a, a partaker of the promises of God. You did not have a covenant relationship with God. And when you don't have a covenant relationship with God, you are not a partaker of his promise because his promises are based on his covenant uh, relationships. So he says that at one time you were without God in the world, but without God, without hope and not, and had no promises. Imagine how just that, just, that just saddens me to say that, that he says that you were in this world without God, without hope, and strangers to the covenants of promise, meaning the only hope you had was you. But Jesus Christ came to give his life so that we, we could have grace and peace multiplied to us in our knowledge of him, come and submit ourselves to him, come into relationship with him, and now I can be a partaker of his divine promises. I can be a partaker of his nature, meaning, meaning this, nature is, is who you are, the, the, the nature of God, who he is. So I, who he is is now who I am because I believed his promise over my life. Who he is is now who I am. God is love. I can be a person of love. God is truth. I can be a person of truth. He's righteous. He's holy. All these things that he is. As he is in this world, so are we. And it's, and it's I, I become a partaker of his nature. Who he is becomes who I am. By promise. 2 Corinthians uh, chapter 1. You don't have to look there, verse 20. Casey's and them are going to sing about it here in a little bit. I told them I want them to sing this song today, and y'all better let it rip, tater, chip when you sing it here in a little bit. It's all the promises of God. In him are yes and amen. All the promises of God. All the promises of God. Everything that God has to promise is accomplished in Jesus Christ, and through Jesus Christ we find our yes and amen. So be it. Who he is is who I am. Who he is is who I am. We need to be a people that learn not to live in the pleasure of the world. We learn not not to live in the pressure of this world. We learn not to live in the pain that this world has to give to where we become prisoners of this world. But what we need to learn, what we need to learn is we, need to, we, are, we are people in this world, but we are no longer of this world. 
because we have partaken of the promises of God given to us through Jesus Christ. And every promise is only as good as the one making that promise. And so we know that the one who's making that promise is he who was, he who is, and he who is to come. He's the Alpha, the Omega, the beginning and the end. He's the faithful and true. He's the one that was crucified in your place, was buried in your place, and was resurrected in your place. And if you, like me, put your faith in his death, his burial, and his resurrection, you can partake in his promises, and everything in your life can be transformed by his grace through faith in his grace. He will empower you in a process of time to start living in truth, and you will come out of poverty, you'll come out of addiction, you'll come out of shame, you'll come out of guilt. You'll come out of all that nonsense that you never thought you could be free from, and you'll be a testimony of his grace saying to this city and to this world, look at what God can do through me. Not look at what I can do. Look at what he can do through me. And then they say, yeah, but you was messed up. Be like, I know. I know. That's what I'm saying. Look at what he can do. (laughs) And you're worse than me. So think about, think about, you know, Uh, Worship team, go ahead and come on up. 